You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So, yesterday was not really my favorite thing to do, but it felt kind of necessary because that's all anybody wants to talk about. So I said, all right, we're just going to go at it one time, get every name out there, and get it done. And it just, it was kind of grueling to sit and do all that. And I probably could have done more. You know, as soon as I finish doing it, I'm going on Twitter and it's like, oh, you know who's some guys I like? And then they list like 10 people and there's like seven more out of 10 that I didn't even put on the list. And of course you could go more in depth, but I, you know, again, one time, here's the list, go check the guys out. We're going to move on. We'll, we'll touch on, on coaches when there's something relevant to talk about, but there's the list. In doing so, however, I really, as if you couldn't tell, very, very long, and um, I got long-winded on a couple of those coaches, and that's kind of how in-depth I wanted to be on all of them, but, you know, that you know, two-hour podcast is pushing it a bit. So I had to kind of put aside some of the more recent news, so that's what we're going to talk about today, and then uh, from there, because there's not a whole lot to say about it, at least from my perspective, I don't know. From there, I want to start looking at some of the upcoming games and um, looking at how optimistic we can be about some of these games as far as if we lose out just saying what are our odds of actually getting a really good draft pick and as i've said it's not out of the realm of out of the realm of possibility that we end up with a top five pick eight was kind of where i said we would end up but it was mostly predicated on the fact that losing teams lose right in other words if you just went through and picked the most likely scenario well, you're always going to pick the losing team to lose because they have a worse record and they're a less talented team. However, we've seen a lot of crazy stuff, right? We we just we saw the Giants beat the Bears. We've seen a lot crazier stuff than that, and it, it just happens constantly. It seems like it's happening more often. There's there's a bit of a, I don't know, a rumble going on in the NFL where you, you got some of the, the Titans are starting to fall off a bit. You know, they're slowing down. You got some of these underdogs starting to step up. The Giants are starting to look like a somewhat of a competent football team. If the Cardinals can find a way to be galvanized and win one or two more, I mean, sky's the limit, my friends. I would say there's, eh, I don't know. I won't get too crazy, but if the, I mean, look, if, if we got people still rooting for the odds of us getting into the playoffs, I will tell you this, a top five pick at this point is much more likely than a playoff berth. So feel good about that. And this is coming one week after I just said us getting into the playoffs is more likely than us, us, uh, getting the eighth overall pick, so, then us losing out. That changed real quick in one week. So that'll be uh, the discussion for today. Before we get there, however, patreon.com forward slash back underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. For as little as a dollar a month, 
You can help me feed my starving children. That's a lie, but it seems like pulling on heartstrings sometimes works, so just trying to reach the people in the back there who haven't been moved by my sentiments and uh, all that. So, children are hungry, just in case you're wondering, and I refuse to feed them until you give me a dollar. See? Nailed it. Tell me I'm not a salesman. Packernet.com for all your news, notes, and information. Be sure to use a little gear icon. That's all, folks. The little gear icon to set your own personalized news feed. We're just here to serve you, man. Got you a daily podcast. Got you a website with all the news in the known universe. And then, of course, Packernet has branched off into NFLBigBoard.com to provide you with the most accurate, most beautiful big board in the history of the known universe. So you don't even... I just... You need nothing but us. That's it. That's it. You just need us. Oh, well, you don't need us. Personally, we can't provide you with anything. But there's there's a couple websites and a podcast, if you're interested. Otherwise, as I've said several times, um, I think as far as uh, helping the podcast, rating and reviewing the podcast is always beneficial. Um, there are several podcasts that... Uh, a lot of really good Packers podcasts. I'm not trying to dog anybody, but there are several that, um, you know are not exactly to the standard of this podcast, that if you were to download something on your phone for podcasts and you type in Packers, there would be a very long list, and somewhere near the bottom would be mine. There are several that don't have near the listenership or (laughs) updated as frequently. Some of these you click on it, and it's like, oh, this one could be interesting, and you look, and it's like April was our last episode. Why is this number eight on the list, and I'm number nine? You're telling me I can't be 8? Can I just get the 8 slot, please? Can I take it from Fred, who hasn't uploaded since April of 2014, please? Google, I swear. So any opportunity, like rating and review, uh, that we can convey to iTunes and Stitcher and Google and whatever, that this podcast isn't half bad, it would be greatly appreciated. And by the way, several of you are listening to my podcast through, um, I don't know, it's confusing. If my podcast is one of several podcasts, you're on the wrong one. (laughs) Not that you can't use it, but if you review that one, it doesn't help me at all. That is the Packernet website podcast aggregation service, I guess you could call it. It's mine and all the other podcasts brought into one. I have my own, and it's sitting by its lonesome. As I've said, please start using that. That would be of great benefit to me. I know it's confusing, but just go there, type in Packernet Podcast. There should be two. There's the one with the Packernet logo, and then there's one with the Pack Daddy logo. Use the one with the Pack Daddy logo. That would also be of great benefit to me, because it helps my show personally, as opposed to mine and everybody else's show. Just saying, thank you very much for your time. So I'm not entirely sure where to start off, but I suppose, I think the best place to start is probably Winston Moss. Uh, It's kind of at the forefront of the news. I, I don't... I don't know, it's one of those things where everybody wants to talk about it. I don't really know why. I think Winston Moss was already on the way out. I think a lot of these coaches are on the way out, and they know it. I think Philbin is on the way out, and he knows it. Um, I was going to talk about the fact that we should take Philbin seriously, at at least just because why not give him a chance. But just based on his comments, it doesn't sound like he's even really going to try, or anybody's really going to try, which I didn't really want to get into it yet. But it's exactly why I think losing out is not out of the cards. I think this is a team that is officially giving up. I think the coaching staff is already packing up their stuff. They know they're done. 
But anyways, let let's just I guess let's just look at it because I I I don't really understand. This is one of those things, and this happens a lot, where everybody see looks at one thing and they see something. It's like those uh, what is it, the I Spy books or whatever those three D ones. I could always get the image to pop out. I just didn't know what in the world I was looking at. It's like, oh, you see the boat? What boat? Just looks like stuff sticking out of out of a page. Like the page is attacking me. I, how do you see a picture here? I I didn't. I just didn't see it. I didn't know how to see it. It's weird. The only person on planet Earth that could make it do the 3D thing, but then had no idea what the 3D thing is while I was looking at. But anyways, that's how I feel with some tweets. And maybe it's just because I'm not adept at Twitter or reading between the lines. But sometimes I feel like you guys read between the lines a little too much. So I just want to read it and then kind of give my impression and then, uh, I guess, move on. Here's the tweet that supposedly got him fired. And I do think this is why he got fired. I just don't exactly know what it means. Ponder this. What championship teams have are great leadership, period. It's not the offensive guru trend. It's not the safe trend. Find somebody that's going to hold number 12 and everybody in this building to the Lombardi standard, period. Hashtag losing sucks. So the, taking it piece by piece here, what championships teams have are great leadership. Um, I, I mean, you could, you could look at this from a lot of standpoints. You could look at this and say that this was a swipe at McCarthy. You could see it as a swipe at Gutekunst and Murphy. Again, I don't know. It, it just says leadership. But here's the other thing. If you continue reading on, he's talking about it's not the offensive guru trend. It's not the safe trend. Now, clearly Winston Moss spends at least a little bit of time on Twitter. If I'm reading this and this is just another person on Twitter, you know, I would never expect this from a, head, from a uh, coach. But the line about not offensive guru trend, it reminds me of some of the stuff I've been saying in regard to the next head coach. In other words, I'm reading this as, who should the next head coach be? You know, everybody wants Lincoln Riley because of the offensive guru trend, or I don't honestly know what safe trend means, as in like Jim Harbaugh safe trend? I don't I don't know. Find somebody that's going to hold 12 and everybody in this building to the Lombardi standard. Come on now, dance party. For those that don't know, I'm sure there are some people who are like, why doesn't he just turn his phone off? I used to turn my phone off. I've actually gotten more positive comments about my phone interrupting the show than of any other feature about this show. So it's going to stay. I don't know what else to say. But as I'm reading this, that's what I get to. That That's what I see. Now, again, I don't like this tw- tweet. You have no business doing this. You're, you're a coach of the Packers. You should not be putting this stuff out publicly. Now, if you want to go ahead and talk to... Uh, Brian Gutekunst or Murphy, and not that they're really interested because you're far enough down the food chain, plus you're you're about to get fired, and maybe that's what this is. He knows he's on his way out. They're not interested in his input, so he's just going to put it out there. But maybe wait until you get fired, and then put it out there, and just be like, look, here's my opinion on who the Packers should hire, and, uh, you know, love the Packers, love the team, here's what I would love for them to do. While you're employed, eh. The only thing... That's, I don't know if it changes my opinion of what the tweet means, but the hashtag losing sucks thing. This is the only part of the tweet that makes me wonder if it is somewhat introspective. In other words, inward toward the current administration, organization, as opposed to outward. But I don't think it has to be that way. And I guess to some extent you you have to assume that even if the intention was to be outward looking, it still has inward implications. We're not a championship team. So what does that say about us right now? So I, I, I would just say it's a very ill-advised tweet. 
and one that sort of was a backhand to people, even though it wasn't necessarily intended to be. But it also is a slap at him. You know, I mean, if if Mike McCarthy is, is leadership and is the reason we're losing and Gutekunst and all these people, well, you, you're a leader as well. I don't know. Maybe he felt like he was... And, and also, based on this tweet, you, you could look at, if you listen to what exactly they said after his firing, about how he just wasn't really a good fit. You know, a lot of people are saying, why him and not Zook? Why him and not somebody else? You know, the, the comment was made, it's not just about the tweet. It's about him not being a good fit for the team. I might be stretching it a little bit here, but just based on his personality, you maybe wonder if, if maybe he does have a lot of pride and he does have a lot of, uh, you know, high expectations and he believes in the Lombardi standard and all that stuff and maybe he kind of got ostracized a little bit. In other words, he was kind of feeling like he was pulling his weight and other people weren't. People were slacking off and um, he was he, he had higher expectations that weren't being met and maybe other coaches weren't exactly holding the standard that he had expectations for. His players weren't holding to the expectations that he had, had you know for the team and he just grew tired of it. He got tired of the way things are going and, and again, hashtag losing sucks. This is just like players. If you have a bad attitude, you're gone. I think the team started losing. I think things started slipping away. Whether it was standards or just success, Winston Moss just wasn't very happy. And very similar to Ha Ha Clinton Dix, it just got to the point where it's like, we can't have that attitude on this team, so goodbye. Beyond that again, allow me to reiterate, at this point in the year... Any opportunity Brian Gutekunst has to sabotage the team, he will. I I understand Winston Moss maybe wasn't adding very much, but what happens to players, especially for their preparation, to lose a guy like Winston Moss? So we, we currently have, as much as Winston Moss maybe was not whatever, whatever, right? Okay, so the, the morale maybe changes. Here's the thing, though. If you want to win, you got to get prepared. We lost our play caller. We lost our head coach, the guy that does all the work, the guy that has kept this thing together for a long time. Mike McCarthy, he's gone. That is going to help us lose, whether you believe that or not. I hit the wrong button. We get double dance party today. Let's go. If you didn't dance the first time, you better get up right now. You don't often get a double dance party. Doesn't happen, man. Today's a special kind of day. Beyond that, Winston Moss is the associate head coach. So the head coach is gone. You have Philbin step up, who's a guy who came out and said, I haven't called plays in like 20 years. I don't really know how to do it. I'm not going to change anything that McCarthy really did, although it seems like some things did change a little bit. But he kind of just came out and said, I'm not going to put my stamp on this team, which is exactly what you would do if you want to prove that you should be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers or anywhere for that matter. You want this team to rise up. It's like, all right, I'm taking control. Here's where here's where McCarthy was wrong. He was holding me back. We're about to let this thing fly. No, he just he came out and he's like, no, I don't really plan on changing much. Uh, game plan, probably going to stay the same. The preparation's going to be the same. We're going to do everything the same, except I don't really know how to do Mike's job, and I don't know how to call plays, and I don't know who in this building does. Winston Moss is the associate head coach. He's going to be essentially the sidekick. He's going to be sort of a 1A and 1B kind of thing. Right, because when the head coach is gone, the associate head coach has kind of a, a a big opportunity. And by the way, when the head coach gets fired, maybe just possibly the associate head coach felt like he was next in line, not the offensive coordinator. Maybe he felt like this was his opportunity to be given the reins of the team. And again, I'm reaching a little bit, but it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for a guy because all these coaches want is to move up, right? Philbin's had his day. 
He's been offensive coordinator. He's been head coach. He's been associate head coach over with the Colts. He's been uh, offensive coordinator again. Winston Moss maybe wanted his chance. Just give me interim head coach. Let Philbin run the offense as the offensive coordinator. I'll run the day-to-day, like the head coach stuff, and we'll, we'll do it that way. Winston Moss got passed over for the offensive coordinator. Now Winston Moss is gone. So again, I say, as far as preparation goes, as far as getting this team ready to play, how? It's not impossible. At the end of the day, players have to go on the field, and a play is going to be called, and the players have to execute that play. If the players execute the plays, even if they're bad plays, there's a chance that we beat the Atlanta Falcons, who are not a very good team this year. But for the 70th time, if you're a GM and you're trying to tie the shoelaces together and then say, all right, go win, that's exactly what this looks like. This is how you tank the team without saying, guys, we're shutting it down. I don't want you to try because nobody ever has done that. Nobody is even suggesting that. That's ridiculous. Not to say that there couldn't be a player on the team that maybe kind of, you know, looks at the situation, surveys the landscape, and says, I'm not so sure I want to win right now. But there's not going to be a team meeting in which we get together and say, you know what, we're not going to win, so I want you to go out and try to lose. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of ever. And if it did, we would find out in about 13.2 seconds because it would be all over Twitter because as the meeting is going on, somebody would have tweeted it. Probably four of the disgruntled players would tweet out, Coach just said we're supposed to tank, somebody come get me out of here, or something to that effect. Hashtag losing culture, right? That that doesn't happen. But again, if you're going to tank, this is how you do it. You look for any opportunity. You got a guy like Winston Moss who's popping off. This is a great opportunity for somebody who's maybe a little disgruntled, but still is doing the work, right? I mean, how many hours does this guy put in a week to, to prepare for another team? Disgruntled, bad attitude or not, this is a body who is intelligent and, if, you know, again, if nothing else, he's a body. He's, he's, a, he's a 60, 70, 80-hour-a-week body that can put in research, put in homework, develop game plans, do whatever it is the associate head coach is going to do to help prepare for the Falcons. You just lost those 60 hours. And Joe Philbin needs all the bodies putting in all the hours that he can get. So not looking super optimal for the Packers, who, again, as I've been saying for like three weeks now, have been slowly closing the door on this season. One player at a time, one coach at a time, right? Mr. Kevin King for the second year in a row was just put on IR. Again, I don't know the circumstances. It's possible we could, if we were about to go on a win streak, that that Mike Daniels and Kevin King would still be put on IR. Or if we were undefeated on the season, right? It, maybe it has nothing to do with the fact that we're losing. However, there is a, a, a another possibility, and that is that you have a guy like Kevin King where maybe if this was a playoff game, you look at Kevin King and you say, I would like you to play th- play through this, and he would be willing to do so, right? He played through quite a bit, injured last year, but maybe, just maybe, it's one of those situations where you could play through it but risk getting injured further, or we can just shut you down to, to protect you for 2019 and also maybe not help us in 2018, so we're going to go that route. In other words, again, any opportunity you can get to take a very talented player off the field, and I, I've, you know, very talented is a stretch for Kevin King. But there's certainly a drop-off in talent by taking him off the field. It's noticeable. So, there you go. We lose another coach, a very high-up, high-ranking coach that could help us win. We lose another football player that could definitely help us win. And we slowly move closer and closer toward going uh, on a five-game losing streak. Well, more than five games. 
but closing out that five-game losing streak, starting with the Cardinals. The other thing, very, very briefly, I wanted to touch on because it's kind of uh, resurfaced and it probably never will die, at least as long as Kevin King is on the team, is the question of um, Kevin King versus uh, TJ Watt. Now, I'm, I want to bring it up primarily because I'm kind of changing my mind on this. And it's, it's entirely Monday morning quarterbacking because my initial opinion is really all that matters because uh, Ted Thompson also only gets an initial position, right? Maybe he changes mind now, but that doesn't matter. And my initial position was I would take Kevin King and Vince Beagle over TJ Watt any day of the week. Well, Vince Beagle showed nothing, and now we've got Kevin King on IR for two years in a row. I think at some point you have to look at the production of T.J. Watt. As much as he's, he's overblown by some Packers fans, that's true. He's not as good as a lot of people say he is. But I think to say that Kevin King is better than T.J. Watt at this point, especially considering injury considerations and the fact that we can't consider Mr. Vince Beagle anymore into the equation because he's gone and never contributed, basically we just gave up our spot as in you know the number one spot into Kevin King, and we just have to look at them side by side. I think T.J. Watt's winning the race, especially when you look at the younger, talented corners that we brought in, the fact that we don't have anybody on the edge. It's getting harder and harder to defend. Now, you know, again, the initial position, I I, I agreed with the, the move and the pick. But at this point, to still say Kevin King was the better choice, that's a stretch for me. I think he's a little bit overinflated. I don't think he's as good as a lot of people want to say he is. Now, that's a little unfair because he hasn't hardly been on the field, and he's always been a project. And again, it's one of those things where year two you expect to jump, year three you expect to jump. He definitely has high upside, but the injuries are a massive concern right now. The other thing that I I don't really like that I used to believe, so I I can't be too upset about it, um, but it's the idea that if if it was anybody else other than T.J. Watt, if he had a different last name, nobody would be talking about him. I don't know that that's true. We traded with the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns took David Njoku, tight end out of Miami, and then the very next pick, the Pittsburgh Steelers picked T.J. Watt. Why? Why did they do that? T.J. Watt isn't talented. It's just because of his last name. Are, are Steelers fans Badgers fans? Is is the Steelers GM like a big Watt fan? Is, is it just a last name thing? No. They took T.J. Watt because he was the best value available in that spot. He was the best player available. Well, debatably. Reuben Foster went one play later. Obviously, he was a much more talented player. Terrible pick, but much more talented. Ryan Ramzik, talented tackle. After that was Mr. Kevin King. But I don't think that's fair. I think T.J. Watt was a fan favorite because everybody has a fan favorite. And the evidence for that is look at the 2018 draft. Who's everybody doing that for? It's Derwin James. Derwin James is the new is the, the 2018 version of T.J. Watt. What is the association with Derwin James? He played at Florida. His last name is James. First name is Derwin. What what name association? I mean, he's not white, so the whole Packer fans are racist thing. You can't even play that card. Which, by the way, if you play that card, go get a life. Good Lord. But what is it? What is it? He's a very good player. Prior to the draft, people really liked him. They realized that where we're picking made sense, right? Everybody understood that there's a chance we could get Derwin in this slot, and he was available, and we didn't take him, and that was cause for frustration. Exact same thing happened in 2017. We had pick, what, 29? Everybody knew at 29, T.J. Watt might be available. He was available. We traded out of the spot, and he got picked one pick pick later. That's why fans are upset about it. It's not just his last name. That might play a little bit into it, but to say that that's the entirety of it, he's not even that good, that's not true. He was a quality pick at pick 29. 
we decided against it. We know he's a good quality pick at 29 because he got picked at 30, and he's producing. Yes, he's from Wisconsin. That makes it a little bit cool. Yeah, his last name is Watt. That makes it a little bit cool. Maybe that inflates it a little bit. But it's just, at, I mean, at this point, again, so, I mean, to be honest, I don't mind either end of the, the spectrum. Kevin King, unbelievably high upside. I really, really hope these injuries don't linger. If nothing else, I, I think he's a relative quality number two cornerback. I'm happy with him being number two. He provides not only talent, but a completely different dimension dimension to Jair, which is good to have because you're going to face all different kinds of wide receivers. And to have the Jair guy who's you know very fluid, of extremely fast, can can play in the slot. And then you have the exact opposite dimension where Kevin King, who's more of just a straight line guy, not super good as far as agility, but is if I mean if you got a really tall, fast guy who's a go up and get it, Kevin King can lock him down all day long. I I mean he he can be very impressive in a limited fashion and I really like him for that. And and again having Jair gives us more flexibility with Kevin King, where we don't just say, well, Kevin King's the best. We have to go put him over there. No, we don't anymore. We have Jair. So that's really going to help Kevin King as well. So I'm not saying TJ Watt's better. I'm not saying Kevin King is better. I just wanted to kind of throw that out there, that the idea now that, first of all, it's ridiculous to say Watt is better than King. I don't think that's necessarily true anymore. Two years we've had him. Two years he's been on IR. It's not great. And no, I don't think because his name is Watt and from, he's from Wisconsin is the only reason people like him. I don't think that's true. Again, he was a good value right where we picked him. Everybody wanted him prior, not because his name is Watt and he's from Wisconsin, but because he's a pass rusher who is going to be available at 29, and he was, and we didn't take him, and that was the cause of the frustration, exactly the same as Derwin James moving on. And it'll happen again this year, I'm willing to bet. At the very least, especially if we end up picking at like five or six, if we don't trade up, and get Bosa, there's going to be riots. And it's going to be real bad. You know why it's going to be real bad? Because it's not T.J. Watt and Derwin James, it's Nick Bosa. And we're going to have to see, you know, 14 sack seasons, and everybody's just going to lose their mind. We're going to see highlight reels of him every single day, and Packer fans are going to flip out saying, I don't care, why, why didn't we just trade the entire draft for this guy? But, you know, whatever. Then again, if we do, then I think all will be well. Finally, as far as news, uh, the last thing I wanted to mention, um, after we put uh, Trey Carson and Kevin King on IR, we pick up defensive lineman Fadol Brown up from the Oakland Raiders and cornerback Natrell Jamerson from the Houston Texans. Um, just wanted to look at these guys real quick from a pro football focus standpoint to see what we can learn about these fine gentlemen. Zach Cruz, by the way, is the guy I was thinking of yesterday. I threw a lot of shade at USA Today yesterday. And I kept saying that one guy, I like him. I like Zach Cruz. So, Zach, sorry for trashing your organization, but some of the people you work with are not good at their job. Zach's solid, though. We got some solid people in Packers world, man. I mean, I love a lot of the blogs, some of the breakdowns, some of the people on Twitter, whether they have blogs and they do breakdowns over, uh, what, what is that site? Not the Power Suite. That was the one I mentioned yesterday. I don't remember, but there's, there's just, there's very, very good, talented people over here in Packers universe. Aren't we all fortunate? So starting off with Mr. Fadol Brown, he's uh, 25 years old, six foot four, 282 pounds, runs a 4.94. So just based on his stats, and they're, they're a 4-3 team over there, so defensive end, uh, he's primarily, and he gets used all over the defensive line, but he's primarily going to end up being a um, uh, pass rusher. He's, 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 he's kind of built more as a defensive tackle for the Packers. But he's, he is one of those guys that, you know, with a guy like Mike Patton, you could put him on the outside, you can put him on the inside. He's kind of a versatile piece that way. 
as far as how he grades out, I mean, he's kind of how you would expect, expect a guy who was an undrafted free agent in 2017 to perform. Uh, below average, but he's pretty close to average, which considering the talent level of our um, pass rushers, below average is, um, he's probably one of our better guys right out of the gate. So, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if we use him, how we use him. I really think this is this is sort of uh, Gutekunst just going to his personnel staff and, and looking for just talent, right? I mean, if, if you wanted to go get somebody, who would you get? You'd be What position are you targeting? It's not going to be Fatal Brown. Probably not, unless you see him as a, a legit pass rusher. But, you know, again, 282 pounds running a 4.94 is not an ideal outside linebacker kind of. I mean, what, what exactly are you doing to get to the quarterback? He's too far away, right? I mean, it's going to take him too long to get to the quarterback at that speed. Got to use a sundial. <laughs> but at the very least, he's, he's actually pretty versatile. Uh, his tackling grades were, that's his kind of his lowest thing, but it was really just because of a couple really bad games. He's he's done pretty well there. Um, but you, you look at his overall grade, his run defense grade, his pass rush grade, his coverage grade is actually his highest grade, which is one of those weird things. But he's never asked to do it, so it's it doesn't really count. But it's kind of just rounding out the bottom. You bring these guys in, you you play with the pieces, you see if maybe they can contribute down the line. Kind of helps you evaluate things. Again, we're, we're playing for 2019. Brian Gutekunst is, is 100% playing for 2019. He could not care any less about this season. So you, you have to make decisions in free agency. You have to make decisions in the draft. So if you can, you know, an additional benefit of putting people on IR is you can bring in people that your, your um, pro personnel staff have been looking at. And you go to them and you say, who do you like? And they're like, well, you know, there's this guy, Fado Brown. He's, he's got some upside. We really liked him in the draft. We wanted to get him. He wanted to go to Oakland, blah, 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 blah. It's like, all right, well, let's bring him in. We'll we'll try him out for a couple of weeks and see how he does. If he works out, we'll hang on to him, and we'll carry that into next year and see how that helps our team. If not, we'll get rid of him and try somebody else. It's basically a tryout. So nothing too excited um, with Fatal Brown, and you shouldn't expect much, but that's what it is. Now you know. Natrell Jamerson, guy out of Wisconsin. He's only 22. I mean, he's about to be 23, but um, another pretty high upside guy. Six foot, two hundred pounds, runs a four four. He's a fifth round draft pick this year, so I mean this one's kind of cool. He bounced around a lot, so obviously he's been pretty terrible. He was drafted in the fifth round by the Saints. We got him from the Texans. That should tell you everything you need to know. Fifth round draft pick didn't even make it to the regular season for the Saints. Houston picked him up. Uh, he played one snap in week two. Got an average grade because it was of no effect. He played. In weeks not eight and nine, I don't know if they had injuries or what the deal was. It's probably part of the reason the Saints went out and got, uh, what's his name, Eli Apple, because they're like, we just don't have any talent here. But in weeks eight and nine, in week eight, he had 56 total snaps, 22 of them in run defense, 34 of them in coverage, because regardless of where you play, that's just the breakdown of what the team did that you played against. His run defense grade was absolutely abhorrent. His tackling grade was abhorrent. His coverage grade, below average. Week nine. Tackling grade, once again, abhorrent. Coverage grade was average. So the bad with Natrell Jamerson is real bad, but it's a high upside guy. And again, we're talking a 22-year-old guy who runs a 4-4 at 6 feet tall. Fifth round draft pick. I mean, what's it going to hurt to just bring him in and see if we can develop him a little bit? See what Mike Patton can do with him. And actually, I, I lied. There is one more bit of news I wanted to talk about. There's a rumor... And the rumor right now is that Mike Pettin may be on the way out. Now, this is kind of getting blown up by, uh, what is that, 12-up? I don't know what 12-up is other than sort of a clickbaity 
kind of website that gets a lot of play on Facebook because it's clickbaity and that's kind of what Facebook is. Facebook loves, it's, it's built for clickbait. But the entire article is based on the fact, uh, there was a tweet by Kelly Price, Murphy declines to talk about the importance or non-importance of keeping Mike Pettin or fitting him into a new staff. Now, if I wanted to do the right thing, I would go actually listen to it to kind of see the context and understand why or his, his demeanor, try to try to derive something, like why would he not answer that? Because off the bat, yeah, that does seem a little weird. Like, what, 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 what do you see as the role of your defensive coordinator at, at the time when all the coaches are getting fired and everybody's freaking out, including Mike Pettin, who's like, oh, awesome, I came onto this sinking ship, way to go me, they better not be firing me. And then a question gets asked about the importance that you bring to the team, and Mr. Murphy says, no comment, or whatever he said. It's not great. Now, <sighs> The real tough thing here is it's somewhat of a draw for coaches to be able to bring in their own coaching staff, right? I mean, the more coaches want, all these guys just want is more, right? Winston Moss wanted what? He wa- he wanted more. He wants to be promoted. He wants to be a head coach. Joe Philbin wants to be, you always want to move up. If you're a quarterback coach, you want to be a coordinator. If you're a coordinator, you want to be a head coach. Head coaches want more. Um, I don't want to say responsibility, but they want more power. I want control over the roster. I want control over the playbook. And then if you really have some pull, on top of getting money, you have control over the draft. That's sort of when you've arrived. You know, if you can be a coach slash GM, or maybe just make the jump to GM, but you don't even have to if you're, you know, Bill Belichick. It's like, I'm coach and GM. I am everything. I am the Patriots. And he basically is. I mean, that's it. That team and all its success is, is pretty much just Bill Belichick. I don't mean to throw any uh, disrespect to Mr. Tom Brady. He obviously helps that team, but, I mean, th- there's one man that makes that thing go, and it's the head coach slash GM. But, you know, maybe it's one of those things where they want to leave their options open, but it still seems weird. Like, why, why can't you just be honest and say Mike Pettin is, you know, he's, he's done a fantastic job. The defense clearly has shown improvement. They've had some issues with injuries. They've risen above it. We're, we're, we're higher up in categories that we haven't been in a long time. There's clear improvement. We look forward to uh, seeing what he can do for the remainder of the season. I mean, that, that's an answer that still leaves your options open. So it's a little weird, and I would be very upset if we did lose our defensive coordinator because I think he's doing a good job. And the fear that I have of a head coach coming in and ruining the offense now gets amplified by the fact that he could bring in a defensive coordinator that now ruins our defense. I would like the Packers to retain the power to hire and fire the defensive coordinator, as much as that may hurt us at the head coaching search, because I, again, they wanted to find a GM, they did a great job in finding one. They wanted to find a defensive coordinator, they did a good job in finding one. If you want to find a good head coach, and you maybe mess that one up, and then he brings in staff that is just trash, I'm a little concerned by that, because this can get real ugly real fast. At the very least, let's have a good defense, and then Aaron Rodgers with some pieces that can maybe start to overcome bad coaching. I, I don't know. I, I, I hope Petten's not going away. But just letting you know, the rumor's floating around now. So anyways, I would like to wrap this up by looking at, um, from a tanking standpoint, currently, as I've mentioned, the Packers are um, picking 10th. The reason we're picking 10th is because 4-7-1 and one is better than 4-8. and eight. That tie is really starting to annoy me. As much as I'm glad the Vikings didn't beat us, if that... 
if that guy had just made the field goal, we'd already be talking about maybe be, you know, picking fifth, sixth, seventh. Because the Detroit Lions right now are fifth. They're four and eight. So four and eight gets you fifth between fifth and ninth. And then four, seven, and one, the Packers and the Browns are 10th and 11th. But anyways, the teams that are ahead of us that we need to start winning, that we need to start rooting for are the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Buffalo Bills, the New York Giants, the Atlanta Falcons, the Detroit Lions, the Arizona Cardinals, the New York Jets, the Oakland Raiders, and the San Francisco 49ers. Now, the cool thing is we play a couple of these teams. Two of the teams that we play are 4-8, and eight, meaning if we lose out, we automatically jump ahead of them because even if these teams, the Atlanta Falcons and the Detroit Lions, lose every game except to us, we still draft higher than them. Because if they get one win, they're above us. They have five wins. We have four wins. They're ahead of us. So automatically, we're eighth, even if everybody else loses out. But let's look specifically at this week, some of the teams that we want to win, and uh, maybe a brief look at some of the possibilities. So right out of the gate, today, Jacksonville Jaguars, who are currently picking ninth, play the Tennessee Titans. Now, this is a situation where obviously the Titans are somewhat of a better team. However, Thursday football is crazy football. Secondly, the Jaguars defense is still no joke. They are tearing some people up. And if I'm not mistaken, the last game they played, they gave up zero points to the Colts. They beat the Colts because they allowed zero points. How ridiculous. The Colts are a good football team. Andrew Luck is a good quarterback. T.Y. Hilton's on that team. they got a better running game now. The Jaguars only managed six, but the week before they got 21, the week before that they got 16, the week before that they got 26, so they, they can put up some points. And again, the Tennessee Titans, why is it I don't like their offensive coordinator? 28th in points, 28th in yards. Their offense is horrendous. Terrible offense, one of the worst in the NFL, going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. If the Jaguars can find a way to play somewhat competent football and get to 20 points, I think they win this game. I don't see this garbage Titans offense scoring 20 points on the Jaguars. So by the end of tonight, we could be picking ninth already. Into the top 10, inside of it. Another big game is the Bills and the Jets. This is awesome because either way, we kind of win. Now, if the Bills lose to the Jets, we move up again because the Bills will be a five-win team. If the Bills lose to the Jets and the Jets win, we don't get to move anywhere because the the Bills lost, so they stay above us or whatever, and the Jets become a four-win team. But here's the awesome thing about that. Teams like the Jets and the Cardinals, you kind of assume the best we're going to get is fifth because the 49ers are a two-win team, Oakland is a two-win team, the Jets and the Cardinals are three-win teams. So you say, okay, we're not going to pass any of them, but if we can pass these four-win teams, we could be fifth. If the Jets win... They're a four-win team. We play the Jets. If we lose to them, what are they? A five-win team. Suddenly, there are only three teams now that we're likely not going to be above, making it possible, not likely, but possible, that we're picking fourth. So we could. it's one of those things where you can just take it now. In other words, if the Bills win, that's awesome. We'll, we'll take that. They get five wins. There you go. Or we can go upside and say, hey, Jets win now. Jets beat us, and we move up ahead of the Jets, and then we just assume or hope that Buffalo finds a way to beat another of these teams somewhere else along the line. Another important game, obviously, Atlanta Falcons. If we lose to the Falcons, we move up. So if the Jaguars win, the Buffalo Bills beat the Jets, which is very possible, and the Atlanta Falcons win, we're now picking seventh, just in those three games. How about this? Another team, the New York Giants. Now, the Giants aren't very good, but they keep winning. And they just beat the Bears. And who are they playing now? The Washington Redskins. 
How amazing is that? They don't even have a quarterback. They have nothing. This is a team that was guaranteed to be to just walk into the playoffs because they were going to be the NFC East champions. They lost their quarterback. They can't win any games. The Giants can't stop winning games. I think the Giants are going to beat the Redskins. And guess what? We move up again. Again, I don't know what's actually going to happen, but I could see the Jaguars, the Bills, the Giants, and the Falcons lose. If that happens, we are sixth. Sixth. Let's continue. Another important game. The Lions and the Cardinals. If the Lions lose or win, we're picking fifth. In one week, we're up to fifth. If the Cardinals win, that's great because get, and we kind of want the Cardinals to win, I suppose. Because again, we're assuming we're going to lose to the Lions, which means we're going to be ahead of them anyways. If the Cardinals win, the Cardinals are now a four-win team, meaning they just need to find a way to win one more game. And if they go on a two-game win streak, it's not impossible. So if that's the case, the Detroit Lions are still ahead of us by a half a game, but we're going to lose to them eventually, which means we're going to be ahead of them, and we're going to be a half a game behind the Arizona Cardinals. So if they win one more game, now we're talking about the potential, again, not likely, potential of drafting third. This week is set up kind of crazy. I mean, the Jets and the Cardinals are two teams where it's like, well, they're probably not going to win two games, which is really all they need to pull ahead of us. But both of them are playing garbage teams that are ahead of us right now. And whether they lose or win, it's beneficial to us. If they win, suddenly they're four-win teams, and now they're within striking distance of moving ahead of them. If they lose, they're losing to teams that are four-win teams, so we move ahead of them. So we can't lose in either of those games. The other teams that are just beyond reach, I I don't see us drafting any higher than third, which I know I keep saying that. Um, We'll revisit if anything really crazy happens. But uh, the, the two teams that are just beyond trash, the Raiders and the 49ers. The Raiders are playing the Steelers, so nothing good about that. 49ers are playing the Broncos. I mean, not impossible, but ah. I mean, I, I, I can't be more greedy than third. But either way, I, I mean, if we beat the Falcons, then it's just kind of like, all right, well, that, you know, kind of really hurts our chances of even seeing fifth ever. But if we lose to the Falcons, I mean, we, we could easily be talking about, you know, top five, the, the, the high upside of a, of a top three. And if, if we get into that f- three, four, five range, which again, I'm reaching, but not too much. <laughs> I just read you the schedule. A lot of these teams that I assumed weren't going to win are going to win. Two of them have to because four of them play each other. So can't really do much about that. The Giants, probably going to win. Jaguars, good chance they win. That's everybody. there's the teams that have a good chance of winning, the Jaguars and the Giants, and then there's the Falcons that we play, and then there's four other teams that play each other. That's crazy. But if we get into the three to five range, I'm going to, I got goosebumps right now. I'm going to start shaking. I'm going to, I'm going to start, I'm freaking out just thinking about it because we're guaranteed a freak. Guaranteed a freak. Is it going to be Nick Bosa? I don't know. Is it possible we do something dumb like trade out of that spot? Yeah. I mean, if, if it goes Bosa and then Oliver, obviously I would like Quinn and Williams, but if the Packers don't like it, maybe we trade from three to five, which <laughs> moving two spots would give us a second round pick, in case you didn't know. So we could still get a stud and get a second second round pick. So we would have two high second round picks, which is just crazy. But I mean, it, and th- this is what we're talking about now. This is the potential. You want something to root for? Yeah, I mean, you want to root for the playoffs, that's cool, man. Go for it. I'm, I'm talking about unbelievable talent that the Packers have just never had. 
Now, of course, we've got a really bad track record of drafting really high players, but I, I have a feeling that Mr. Gutekunst can kind of redeem this team as far as getting top five players. I hope this isn't a repeat of one of those years where like the, everybody in the top ten is a Hall of Famer with the exception of the guy the Packers got. And if they draft Jonah Williams at three, I'll probably just throw my TV out the window. Nothing against Jonah Williams, but I'm going to... F- <laughs> so, we've got some rooting interests here, and I, I am going to be the biggest Jaguars fan tonight that you have ever seen in your entire life. And it's going to be frustrating because rooting for the Jaguars is frustrating. <laughs> that's just... that That's a machine that just won't go. But anyways, I mean, if you're interested in the draft... Again, I didn't see it happening, but I'm starting to see the light. And it's it's still contingent on us losing out. And again, I think Gutekunst is doing everything. I mean, everything that you would need to happen is happening. The team's morale is about as low as it's ever been already. You don't need to tank or tell the players to tank to give them low morale. It's there. The performance against the Cardinals kind of proved that. We don't have a head coach. We don't have anybody that can call plays on this team right now. We don't have an associate head coach. We don't have Kevin King. We don't have Mike Daniels. We don't have a number two wide receiver right now. We don't have a tight end that's very good. We don't have an offensive line that can block. Our guards, especially Bell, are just an absolute joke. We don't have safeties. We don't have very much to go on right now. And as much as I would have said two weeks ago, we're not going to lose to the Falcons because the Packers don't lose at home, we kind of just lost to the Cardinals. So, you know, we'll see. It'll it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting as Aaron Rodgers said to keep an eye on this. Um, again, ideally the team loses but tries their best. That's as much as that doesn't make sense. You want to see effort. I, I don't want to see people quitting because like Haha Clinton Dix, you realize that some people they can't turn that off. Or maybe the better way to say it is once you turn it off, it doesn't turn back on. Haha Clinton Dix gave up in 2017 when the team was bad. He never decided to start playing again. Which again is why. Not to go down this road because we're going to end the podcast, but it's why I would like a head coach that comes in with a lot of energy and bravado and just, again, a new message. As much as guys like Aaron Rodgers have heard all the pep talks, they've been hearing it from Mike McCarthy. He's been hearing it from Mike McCarthy. He needs to hear something else from someone else. Everybody does. It worked with Mike Pettin, right? He came in and all the defensive guys like Mike Daniels and everything were just so jacked up. Like Mike Daniels couldn't stop talking about how awesome it was. It was just a new message from a new guy. And it was the right message. Mike Patton is mean. He's violent. Defense is like that kind of stuff. It was the right message for the right team at the right time. We need that on offense. And I, I really think something like that, especially if we can couple it with talent, um, can really help give us a spark. Now, if you spark it and it doesn't ignite because there's a lack of talent or if we just get a terrible schedule and right out of the gate we're playing you know, three out of four on the road against really tough opponents and we end up losing you know, two or three games, that could splash water on the fire real quick, but we're not going to read that far into it. Um, just kind of is what it is. So anyways, we've got a lot of rooting interests, depending on what side of the aisle you're on. You're either rooting for or against certain teams, but if you're in my camp and you recognize that this team will not be in the playoffs, nor should they be in the playoffs, nobody, including our GM, wants to be in the playoffs, and our coach does not even really want to try right now, then, um, yeah, especially tonight, Jaguars, that's a big one. Teams like the Jaguars are not going to win very many games this year. We need them to win just one, and this is a great opportunity. If they have one thing, it's defense, and they're going up against one of the worst offenses. This could be their one chance to get one win. We need them to win. Go Jaguars, right? Duval and all that stuff. 
Anyways, you folks enjoy your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Uh, bye bye.